This is Hyperallergic, the podcast, and I'm Harag Vartanian. If there's one art movement people think of as quintessentially American, it's abstract expressionism. It was born in the 1940s, and it had this brash gestural style that represented the new confidence of post-war America. But when we think of the most famous artists of that time, they were almost all men. Jackson Pollock, William de Kooning, Franz Klein, Robert Motherwell. What about the women of abstract expressionism? That's the question a new show at the Denver Art Museum is trying to answer. Gwen Chazit is the curator of modern art at the museum, and she organized the show. I met with her in Denver and asked her why a show like this hasn't been organized until now. It's amazing. People have asked me what's the most surprising thing that I found while organizing this exhibition. And truly the most surprising thing is that nobody had done this show before. And we are so lucky to be organizing it in Denver. But I also want to say that we're catching up right now in the art world. And if you have been paying attention, there's a lot of shows of female artists um, whether it's the, the um, surrealist artists or the pop artists or the impressionists. So we're making up for some, some lost time. But I want to say that I never started out to do an exhibition of women. It's just that when I began to take a look at who'd been left out of the canon, who'd been left out of the history of abstract expressionism, it was clear there was this whole group of people, and just by chance, one whole group were female artists. And I also want to put that in context. We are in a different world today than these women grew up in in the 1950s. In the 1950s, women didn't have the same position as men. In fact, I don't think anybody could imagine there'd be a woman running for president of the United States as we have today. The art historians, and I count myself among them, the art historians are also at fault. Jansen's History of Art, it was the tome, the great big book that you could hardly carry around that was the standard survey book for the history of art classes in every university around the country, did not have one female artist in that book until 1986. What changed that, that the conversation started again? Well, of course, Linda Nochlin wrote her great, great article, Why Have There Been No Great Women Artists? And, of course, that's been a great thing that people have quoted ever since. And the Gorilla Girls. Somebody just sent me uh, a wonderful big poster from the Gorilla Girls in honor of this exhibition. And, uh, you know, they also have really brought front and center the issue of how few women have been in the collections of major museums. Um, something about, you know, well, unless you're nude and you're the subject, you, the women can't get into the Met, for example. So I do think that, yes, the women's movement had something to do with this, of course. And um, there also was a big difference on the West Coast. Um, the West Coast abstract expressionist women were very clear that there was no gender discrimination for them. Sonia Getchtoff, uh and also Jay DeFeo and Jebber Remington were all very clear about the fact that they were treated as equals among the colleagues on the West Coast. And an interesting thing is that Sonia Getchtoff, who was very successful in San Francisco, she uh, was invited to come to the Guggenheim show, and she was invited to an exhibition in Brussels. And she was on such great, you know, trajectory that she moved to New York and expected to continue to flourish. And instead, she was just shocked to find out what she said the women in New York had been dealing with all that time. One of the things that uh, made an impression on me in the catalog was the fact that it seemed by the 60s and 70s, commercial galleries and other exhibitions 
seem to have removed the women out of the movement somehow, and even not histories being written at the time. And I'm wondering, why do you feel that is? Because, I mean, these are people who were being included in exhibitions and, and in reviews in the 50s. That's what's so interesting. In the 50s, many of these women participated in the same classes, like with Hans Hoffman and others. They were showing in exhibitions like the Stable Gallery Annuals and the Ninth Street Show, a very important uh, exhibition from 1951. They were showing, and they were participating. And I don't know if it has something to do with looking back and looking back, you know, again, I take blame as an art historian. Art historians try to package things up quite neatly. And maybe it's the fact that 10 years later, when they were trying to write the histories, this happened. Even though they've been excluded, no one's being called out for that. It's absolutely true. There's no question. And, and I think I had um, told some people that the way that I decided to do this exhibition, in fact, was seeing a show in New York in 2008 that was centered around the critics, Rosenberg and Greenberg. And while the exhibition focused on the people that we already know and love, there was a section that called out the names of people that I had never heard of. And that's really how I started with this. So yes, these people were involved within the critical um, groups that were, that were operating at the time. Uh, you know, making the history of art is its own political thing. And... Um, I, I don't want to say who was the one who wrote those histories, but, you know, again, it's predominantly white males. And were there a lot of female critics at the time? There really were not compared to the men. And, of course, the great known critics are Greenberg and Rosenberg. It's interesting because, of course, Peggy Guggenheim and also um, Betty Parsons had galleries. And some would say that they were not always as kind to the women as they could have been. But, again... Think about our own histories. We go back and we remember things. Everybody remembers it differently. Even in the same family, siblings remember things differently. So I don't know that I'm really qualified to say that. But Lee Krasner, for example, talks about Betty Parsons coming to the studio out in the Hamptons. And she was on a direct line to go see Jackson Pollock's work. And she would not even acknowledge that Lee Krasner was there. And that was the way that Lee remembered her relationship. I have read that one time Jackson Pollock asked Betty Parsons to include Lee Krasner in an exhibition. And supposedly her answer was, I don't show husbands and wives. That was Gwen Chazit, curator of modern art at the Denver Art Museum. The Women of Abstract Expressionism show takes up a whole floor. There are only 12 artists on display, and each is given their own space, so that multiple works give you a good feel for their work. Some of the key figures, like Lee Krasner, Elaine de Kooning, Helen Frankenthaler, and Joan Mitchell, are given plum spots, while others, like Ethel Schwabacher, feel kind of pushed aside. The selections are powerful, though, and the Mitchells alone, honestly, they're worth the trip. But everyone I talked to wondered why this person was included and not this other artist. Judith Godwin is one of the fortunate ones who made the cut. I'd never heard of her, even though she had a solo show at the famous Betty Parsons Gallery in 1959, which I can tell you was a really big deal. Godwin is now 86, and she told me it was very hard to get attention then. Women, when I first started painting, were not seriously accounted for. 
with those obstacles, you still decide to become an artist. Were you consciously trying to challenge that? I just decided that's what I had to do. But I had help along the way with a couple of guys that were very nice to me. They would go to the tavern, you know, get together. And the women that were probably included would have been Helen and Lee because they were married to well-known painter, male painters. And um, that was the sort of easy way to get into the crowd. But the single women uh, that didn't have a husband that were, you know, paint, serious painters had a much rougher time. And how about in terms of uh, the critics? How were those relationships? Did they literally not come to your shows? Were they not just interested? Did they not consider it serious? Well, you didn't get offers of shows because uh, men uh, who were sort of in, in in the art world were not thinking that women could paint as well as men. It was as simple as that. Were you consciously excluded from events? Did you have people say, no, I'm sorry, you're not going to be included because you're a woman? No, but you knew it. <laughs> when the show came up, you knew you weren't included, and you knew before the show came up, very likely, with the, uh, from the grapevine, that you had not been asked to be included. And you knew that no gallery had been after you to join. It was just so obvious. And, well, and that's in every field, is it right, not? Absolutely. In every field. Mm -hmm. So seeing your work now among all these other female artists from the same era. It's an honor. And what, what were some of the emotions that are being stirred? I mean, are you seeing similarities? Are you are sort of, has there been a change in your perception? I know what they went through. And I'm sorry, some of them are not here. One of my favorite paintings by Godwin is of choreographer Martha Graham. She did it in 1956, and it's made up of black forms against a mostly white background. In the painting, you could see the frantic energy of modern dance. And in the label to the work, Godwin says she can see Graham's gestures in everything she does. The two became friends, actually more than friends. She walked across the stage to greet me, and a light went on. And she walked across and came over and kissed me. I nearly went through the floor. <laughs> I can't tell you. I could not believe it. And she said, now you've got to come to my studio and dance. I said, Martha, I can't move. And she said, no, no, I make you move. It was partly because of that kiss that Godwin moved to New York. As I was walking through the show, I couldn't help wondering, why did these artists get written out of the history books anyway? There was one art historian who asked a similar question in 1971. Her name is Linda Nochlin. Her essay of the time, titled, Why Have There Been No Great Women Artists, also inspired the emerging feminist art movement. So I traveled to her home on New York's Upper West Side to ask how different the work of these female artists are in compared to their male counterparts. I really can't find any indication that some of this is by women, all of this is by women, as opposed to the work of men doing the same sort of art, the same style. Could I say that the Elaine de Kooning was by a woman? It's very, you know, if you equate being a woman, being delicate and... Uh, 
light and elegant or like a Watteau painting. Mm -hmm. That is, to me, a feminine painting, quite deliberately. And there's not a trace of that, as far as I can see, in any of the work on show by the women abstract expressionists. They look much more like canvases by male abstract expressionists. And, of course, that's the case with most women artists, maybe until now, under deliberation. Their work tends to look, interestingly, more like the male artists of their time than by the, like the work of other women artists separating, separated from them by centuries. I mean, that's just a fact. Mm-hmm. So there's a quote in your essay about uh, a rage to paint Joan Mitchell in the issue of femininity yeah. that I wanted to bring up because I think it's very relevant to the abstract expressionists right. particularly, right. which is bi- biography, in fact, often looms large in such cases precisely because of the absence of recognizable subject matter. The gesture seems to constitute a direct link to the psyche of the artist, without even an apple or a jug to mediate the emotional velocity of the feeling in question. Now, that would suggest to me that a movement like abstract expressionism would actually foreground women's identity in in their work. Yeah, but I don't think that's true. I say seems or something. I mean, naturally, as I say, all art is mediated. And abstract expressionism, very strongly, by other art, previous art, uh, hypothetical art, whatever you want to say. I mean, nothing is simply a direct gesture. Even if you go like that, splat, you're splatting with Picasso in the back of your mind and, uh, you know, other splatty artists before you. <laughs> An expressionist artist, Munch or something. But I think some of the abstract expressionists struggled very hard to get rid of that past, that mediation. Picasso struggled at times to draw like a child. It's very hard for an adult-trained artist to forget all the laws of perspective. and So I, I don't know. I think the, the critique, I suppose, is always that women abstract expressionists were not innovators, and it was terribly important for abstract expressionism to be original, to go back to origins, to get rid of influence and so on. And I think that was the one of the major things. If you didn't have balls, you couldn't be an innovator in that way. Do you think that the female artists, or most of them, were unoriginal of that abstract expressionist movement? Well, I'm not such a... Uh, proponent of originality. I mean, Johann Sebastian Bach, I'm a bach maniac so don't listen to me, but a lot of people think this, I think was the greatest composer who ever lived. And he was really a little retarded there. People were already giving up polyphony and going on to harmony and to classicism and leaving the gorgeous Baroque, which nobody should ever have lived, left. So I'm not sure that whatever we mean by originality, can there be originality? Yes, at Jackson Pollock, when we first saw it, I remember going to those shows. I, was, I just couldn't believe it. I mean, they were so different from anything, anything I had ever seen. There was no point saying that it was. It was. 
It was like a, a shot, you know. It was amazing. And how about the work uh, of Lee Krasner? How about, I mean, during that period, was she seen as original? Was was Elaine de Kooning seen as original? Or was Joan well, Mitchell knew, seen I that knew, way? I knew Lee. I mean, she glommed on to me, or we glommed on to each other, at the beginning of the woman's movement, very early. Yeah. I, think, I think she's a very good artist, but she's not an artist that makes me extremely excited, let's put it that way. Of all of those, I mean, Joan Mitchell is, to me, the one. most brilliant, truly original, aesthetically powerful. Tell me a little bit about Joan Mitchell, because, I mean, she... is a person. Well, a person, but also, you know, because one of the things about your essay that really made an impact on me was this differentiating between rage and anger, and because that, again, we were talking about the masculine... Yeah. persona that the Abexers were really sort of championing, I think. Maybe yeah. that's the word. Um, do you think that that was necessary for her to be counted and be, you know, to have a place? Well, she was a fierce <laughs> character. Um, she was now a little sweet, shrinking violet. She was very intelligent. She came from an upper-class family. She had had very good education. I mean, she was not... A person who had to come up from nothing. I don't think she had a hard time of it. She had some difficult relationships. She had money, that was nice, and she had this beautiful house in which Monet had lived in the gardener's cottage that I used to go out and see her at. She often, I think, was, was unhappy, but she always worked, no matter what. And she drank a lot. She was certainly one of the boys in that because drinking was, I don't know if you can say looked on with favor, but it was certainly done in excess by many of the painters. In the early feminist movement, what did they actually think about abstract expressionism, or did they even think about it? Well, that's very interesting because very quickly, I think, a lot of women artists rejected that as male stuff, painting itself got rejected as a masculine-dominated activity by many women. You didn't do that. You did cloth work or collage or performance or something else that was not as infected with male domination. Painted was kind of, had been taken over too much by men that it was hopeless. Nocklin explained that another art movement of the time, color field painting, was also seen by many early feminist artists as an enemy, a type of male art. That one made me scratch my head, though. Since it was a movement, maybe the only modern art movement, ushered in by a work of a woman, Helen Frankenthaler. Frankenthaler was the first to experiment with thinned out and poured paint, and she was a true innovator. Which brought up another question I was dying to have answered. So many questions. Would an artist like Helen Frankenthaler, who is featured in the Denver show, have even appreciated being called an abstract expressionist? I talked about that with curator and critic Karen Wilkin, who knew Helen personally. I think she was always very frank about the importance to abstract expressionism in her foundation. She always described herself as a space maker and talked a lot about the importance of her 
uh, understanding of cubism to what she did. But in terms of her belief in what a work of art was, it's identical to the, the tenets of abstract expressionism, that the, the role of the artist is to reveal something unseen, not to report on what is seen, that uh, the, you are led by your materials. Uh, it's a dialogue between what you are intending and what happens when you make a mark or you move your paint around. Those are all ABEX principles. I wanted to talk about Krasner and, and de Kooning, Elaine de Kooning in particular, because, you know, they're, they're kind of, in some ways, I think people see them almost as the stereotype in terms of, you know, they were the wives of these much more, I think, prominent artists, mm -hmm. particularly during their era. But now they're sort of having a little bit of a revival as people are sort of looking at their work again. Now, I'm just curious how, how you think they sort of connect to the story of abstract expressionism. Um, well, Krasner, of course, was always there. Uh, I mean, you, you, it's sort of like, apparently, you couldn't, you couldn't go see Pollock's work without having to see Krasner's work. And there's no way of saying this nicely. He's just a much more interesting, important, innovative painter in every single way. She's a good painter. Um, is she a great painter? I don't think so. You know, I don't care how big that piece from the Whitney is. It didn't impress me when it was in the Whitney's opening, and it doesn't impress me in Denver. And she was bitter about that. And there's that famous quote, you know, she'll always be Mrs. Jackson Pollock. Well, yes, I'm afraid so. But that's because he was a better painter than she was. Um, Elaine de Kooning was always far more independent. And carved out a niche for herself that was having to do with her return to figuration, uh, a very free kind of figuration, but nevertheless recognizable. I do think that the best painting of hers in the show is the small abstract painting. Yeah. And so now, uh, roughly about 50 years after abstract expressionism, what do you think its legacy is? The idea that art is profoundly about self-expression is something that hasn't gone away. Now, whether you think it plays out in terms of annoying self-involvement, as it does in some contemporary art, <laughs> uh, or whether you feel this is a good thing, uh, you know, I leave that up to you. But it's, a, it's, as I said, it's the idea that art is not about depicting or reporting on what everyone can see, but on revealing something that is unseen. And that's pretty fundamental. People don't even think about that anymore. Basically, the female history of this movement now partly exists because of the Denver exhibition, but there's still so many missing pieces. There are dozens of other women who could have been included, like Chinese-American lesbian artist Bernice Bing, who's largely still unknown today. In other words, let's hope this is only the beginning. The Women of Abstract Expressionist exhibition at the Denver Art Museum goes until September 25th. That's all for this episode of Hyperallergic, the podcast. We bring playful, serious, and radical perspectives to art and culture. 
Subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud. I'm Harag Vartanian, Editor-in-Chief and Co-Founder of Hyperallergic. Our executive producer and editor is Gisele Rikatao. Theme music is by Garen Geikian, and our publisher is Viken Geikian. Thanks for listening.